Indie or AAA? Indie. Casual or strategy? Casual. IAPs or ads? IAPs. You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf. show we have Dan Greenberg, Chief Design Officer at Iron Source, and we're going to be talking about design and creative in game advertising. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's kick off by you telling us a little bit about yourself. You're Chief Design Officer. That's not a title you hear every day. What does that actually mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so first of all, I'm a designer. I studied graphic design, so I come from that field. And about seven years ago, I joined a startup and merged my passion for design and also the tech industry. All over the world, tech companies realize the potential of design and you start to see people become leaders in those companies who came from the design world and I was fortunate enough to come from that. Let's talk a little bit about how you got into the game space. Yeah, so I think all my life I was into games. I was never like a hardcore gamer, but I had like one or two games I was playing, like Warcraft and Civilization and Worms and all of the big titles of the 90s. Now I play less and kind of transformed into mobile and I have some mobile games that I play, but yeah. How, how do you think mobile has changed the game space? I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that happened when games transitioned into mobile. It was all around kind of understanding what is the right game experience that you can do on a mobile, like understanding where are we playing, right? I think there was a lot of mistakes done in terms of thinking you can take what we know from like consoles and from desktop gaming and just trying to copy the same thing to mobile. I think the ones that really succeeded, like the big ones, Supercell and these kind of guys, kind of really understood first, like, where is the gamer? Where is he playing? Like on the subway, before he goes to sleep, during dinner, during a class maybe. Like understanding the user itself, I really changed the way they build the mechanics for it to be something that can blend into your life. And it's very different from big games where like I would clear time in my schedule, right? I had like a time when I played Call of Duty online. It was a console game and I would think already in the afternoon I'm going to play from like 10. I had a treat. Yeah, I knew when I'm going to do it. It like was a part of my schedule. And I knew around 10 I'm going to have time and then I like kind of arranged the sofa, turned on the TV, <laughs> put headphones on and like kind of changed my whole environment in order for it to support the fact I'm going to play now. And in mobile, you can't do that, right? It's always with you, so you're, it's always possible. And your attention is very minimal to the game itself. And also, if a game catches you and you start playing it, you also don't have a lot of time. I didn't clear time to mm. go and play. The mobile games sometimes succeed to doing that for like the ones who are really hooked on a game. But most of us aren't really clearing time in order to play mobile games. And I think there was a lot of mistakes done in terms of understanding that. Mm -hmm. And the ones who understood that and built the game mechanics around that really succeeded. Uh, and obviously, you're very involved in building amazing sort of creatives for big games out there who are yeah. looking to kind of connect with users. Mm -hmm. So what's that process like? Take us through kind of a typical day. Yeah, so I think there was like a very big shift around the last, I think, 18 months or like a year ago when one of the most dominant types of creative became the playables, which are like sort of mini demos of a bigger game that allows the user to try and then decide if he likes it to go and download the game. In the beginning, one of the two of the big game companies succeeded in making it work in large scale. And they were doing it in-house. Yeah, and they did it in-house. And everybody tried to copy this experience, but it's, it's very hard because in sense, it's much more like designing a game or like building a game than designing creative, what was like a banner or a mm -hmm. video. Can I just interrupt you? Why yeah. do you think it is that game advertisers always seem to be 
on the sort of forefront or the cutting mm-hmm. edge of creative. You know, game advertisers would very rarely settle for just a banner ad. It would be a rewarded video or some kind of interactive ad, and they always seem to be on the forefront. Why do you think that is? It's a great question. I think it's a combination of a few things. I think it's, first of all, the competition becomes really hard. Like, the landscape is very crowded, and there's a lot of really great games and really great game studios. We've got to a point that there is so much great games out there that all of them are wrestling to get attention. So first of all, the competition kind of drives them to try innovative stuff. It uh, becomes more expensive to acquire new users, and organic is not what it was. The amazing days of the beginning that you can have a great game on the App Store and that's it. There's not much of competition. Today, even if like your featured homepage of iTunes or Google Play, it's great, but it's not enough. Like mm-hmm. It's not really scalable. And I think that that competition kind of drives them to try always new stuff that will bring them more users, but also more quality users, mm-hmm. like real players that will stay. This is one thing. I think the second thing is because of their type of content, right? The end game is the base to create a lot of really great experiences. You have other creatives when you combine the fact that they want to innovate, they want to try new stuff. And it's like a perfect create, storm. Yeah. So you've said games provide you with a lot of fruitful content for creating good creatives. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that a playable can literally just be a snippet of gameplay? You just sort of extract a section of your game and put it inside an ad, or is it more complicated than yeah, that? Yeah, no, no, it's much more complicated than that, actually. First of all, the playables that we're creating are running on one of the most high-quality channels, which are the rewarded videos. Okay? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the revenue today generated by ads for games is from rewarded video, which is a 30-second window, right? The users says, okay, I want to get more coins, he will watch a rewarded video instead of paying in an in-app if he doesn't want to right now or ever. Mm-hmm. In that 30-second window, we can either show a video ad or a playable. So creating an experience that you can compress mm-hmm. into uh, less than 30 seconds, because when I get to the 30 seconds, he already can decide to move on and get back to the game and do something that's so engaging and so interesting for him that he will say, mm, I want to try this game and continue. And taking usually a game that is done by 10, 20 people working on it, or even 100 or 400 people working on a game, and compressing that experience to a 30-second window is really, really hard. We did a lot of trial and error in this mm-hmm. uh, for them in the past year, and we understand what will be probably the essence mm-hmm. for each genre. But each game, when we come to it, we kind of try to break it down and say, okay, this game is this genre. And in this game, you have like three types of game elements. You have the building, you have the collecting the resources, and you have another thing. And we say, from all of these game mechanics, what would be the most interesting one? We're really trying to narrow down the experience Mm -hmm. for two things. First of all, to make it feasible for a 30-second window. Right. This is one. Second, we want to give you a taste, right? Mm -hmm. We want to leave us wanting more. Yes. A few years ago, we had like demo versions of a game, right? Mm -hmm. Give a few levels, and then if you like the experience, you can go and get more. It's like that. We want to give you a smaller experience without also all of the more complicated game loops that you Mm -hmm. have, all of the complexity which isn't needed for this type of creative, but it creates enough curiosity for you to go and try and finding try the game and try it yourself. Yeah. So talking about process, how many people does it take and how long does it take to create a playable ad? Does it differ from yeah. genre to genre to can you do a playable ad for any kind of game or are there certain games that it just really doesn't work for? Yeah, so it's already a big team. We're about, I think, around 20, 25 people working on this. It's also a very interesting group of people because we have game designers, we have video editors, we have graphic designers, developers. We have a very unique mix of people to make it, I think, probably very similar to a game studio. And in terms of process, usually, like I said before, we get a game and 
if it's one of the genres that we already worked on, we kind of already know where we're going to take it. And we actually already developed around 12 game engines for different types of games that we started with. And then we adapted to that specific game to give its uniqueness. And it doesn't end there. It's like mm. there's a very big important part is after it goes live, right? So um, you're iterating? Yes. We're always iterating. We're even like soft launching, which is something that you would do on a real game. Mm -hmm. We take a creative, we do a soft launch. There's a very big difference from the old school creative. This new generation is the fact that we're collecting in-ad data, meaning we are collecting the events that are fired during the interaction of the user with the playable. And we see, for example, where they get stuck. Maybe the difficulty level mm. too hard. Maybe they don't understand how to do the tutorial. So we kind of collecting all of these and we already collect around 100 million events a day and we analyze it. Again, very similar to the way you analyze your game design. If you're a game designer, then we tweak and adjust it because all of these playables also are configurable and we can play with right. all of the matrix. What kind of impact can the change in difficulty level have on the performance massive. of a playable? Yeah, massive. So again, in this new generation of creative design, one of the biggest differences is that up till now you had like the impression and the click. And you would count usually impression, click, and conversion. These are the numbers that you live by. Today, when you build a playable, you have everything in the middle. What was the engagement rate? How many users engaged with the playable or said, something interesting to me and just close it. Yeah. You have how many users got to level two, how many users tried to play again. A really cool pattern that we see in most of our playables actually is that even after the 30 second window, they will stay and play more. They will try again. Usually if they fail, they will try again can and you, again. Can you do it indefinitely or yeah, does the playable yeah. sort of time out at a certain no, point? No, we, we give you, you always have an option to close the ad or the playable, but we see users that want to crack the, the experience, right? they want to try and succeed and they stay. So because we're tracking everything that happens in the middle, then every small change that we do drastically changes the number of the conversion and the number of users that we're getting from this ad. Sometimes when the game was too easy, mm. the playable was too easy. So people thought, mm, it's not interesting. It's not challenging. Yeah, it's not them. challenging. If I get this game, usually this is, by the way, happens with known genres. Let's say if you take Match 3, that everybody knows already, like Candy Crush, it's not a new thing for them. Mm -hmm. If they see that this playable is not challenging, they assume probably the game is not challenging. And, and right, Yeah, they don't get it. Sometimes when we actually do the playable difficult for them, you see the conversion goes up because people say, ah, that's a new challenging one, They're I'll go get in. it. Yes, so we play with everything. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think interactive ads, rich media ads, they've been around for a long time. This isn't something that's completely unique and new, but it does seem to be having a big moment right now, and especially on mobile. Why is that? What's kind of shifted? Yeah, so I think it's very different from what we called rich media in the past because the experience itself is now it's really rich, okay? Because mobile phones today are powerful than ever and allows us to have crazy graphics and really intense things happening. And it's not just the basic ad that you can click on it and it will change or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We're actually building a game. It has logic, everything is configurable. It's really, really different. Presumably um, bandwidth helps as well. You know, most of us in the developed world can access good internet connectivity it means advertising can kind of keep up with that. Yeah, and I think a very big difference from, again, the old generation creatives to this new generation is the fact that in the old generation, it was kind of a gimmick in order to try to help the ad fatigue right. for starting to happen from like the glory days of the banner. Yeah, it's even worse now. Yeah, that is very bad today. And it was, it was mainly used 
for like brand advertising and what we are talking about here is mainly for games and I think that's the main difference. So talking about the evolution of technology, you know, Apple released AR kit, Google's released yeah. AR core. This is obviously incredibly exciting because people have been talking about AR and VR for a long time, but it's never really been this accessible. What do you think that's going to do to games and game advertising? So like any new technology that comes out, it's really an exciting time. In my personal opinion, I think between AR and VR, I'm a big AR supporter. Okay. I think because personally, I feel the use case of AR is much more closer mm -hmm. to reality. And than, also you don't need goggles. It's also because of that. I think uh, when you need more hardware, then it's a big barrier. So this is why I think AR is really exciting. It's really nice to see that the big companies are pushing it also. Specifically for games and in our context of what we're doing, I think it's really an exciting technology because we already have AR ads. I think it's a really, really good way to convey the experience of the more AAA games, of the big mobile games, which are very 3D, graphic mm -hmm. intensive, not like your standard 2D okay. games and casual games. Uh, that for them, actually, the main thing that worked were more like really high production value trailers mm -hmm. uh, because they appeal to an audience that kind of likes that type of story, right? They want to feel like they're playing this epic they want to enter the experience. Yeah, they want to enter the game. Yeah, but, but like an epic world, which is very different from their world. They're not looking looking for that casual experience. These and are the guys that make time to play games. Yes, and for them, if you really want to kind of approach them, kind of get their interest in a new thing, I think AR will be a really good experience. What does an AR ad actually mean? What are we talking about here? Yeah, so what we've done is we actually took 3D characters from one of the leading games out there. And we blend them in in our reality. Like you would open your camera, and as you point to the room, and it could be a table or the floor, they would emerge very similar to like Pokemon Go mm -hmm. in some way. But today it's even better with the new technology that supports the, the detection of the planes and everything. And you actually see a scene or be part of a scene. You could have like a monster in your room that you need to interact with. Mm -hmm. And I think again, for when we're targeting this type of audience and we want to create this epic experience, AR is really, really interesting. We're really excited to see this live and see how it will work. But I think it could be very interesting for game advertising. It seems like a natural fit for them. Yeah, kind for of them. As a first, like, yes. you know, vertical that's really going to go after AR ads. Yes, no doubt. So up until now, we've kind of looked at game creative from the game sort of advertiser's perspective. So this yeah. is kind of like Zynga running ads to get more users. But what about developers running ads on their own apps to make money? Because we know not many people will make IEPs today. How many developers today are running playables or AR ads on their traffic? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, all of the playables that we're talking about are running inside the rewarded video channel. And rewarded video channel is the most predominant one today. And if you want to do video ad based monetization in your game, which mm -hmm. again, most of the games who succeed are doing it anyway. Right. And it's kind of the go to, it's, it's the first thing you add because it can connect you to the game mechanics, it makes sense. It's so part it's, of the yeah. game economy. Yeah. So everything we're talking about is running through that channel anyway. So there's no sort of special integrations? No, there's no special integrations at all. Why should I care as a developer right. who's running it? We need to understand that because these types of creatives work really well for the advertisers, it means that they are willing to pay much more. This kind of drives this whole economy. If in the beginning you would make like X dollars by integrating video ads to your game, now you're seeing like a 2X or a 3X even if it's really successful. So simply put, playable ads will make you more money. 
yeah, when you have playable ads in your app, you're making more money from it and kind of helps you make this whole thing more sustainable. And also the beautiful part of it is like, so the next question is always, if it's working so well, it's kind of probably cannibalizing on my game, Well, right? that, that was going to be my next okay, question, so. just to be slightly contentious. <laughs> I mean, that would be my worry. If, if a user is engaging with a playable ad and they're really enjoying it and they're playing it again and again, and then they go to the store, you know, am I losing that user? Have yeah. I sort of ejected them out of the experience of my game? Yeah, so we've proven that it's, it's incorrect because most of the publishers who are working with us and running this kind of ads, they don't see any effect on their retention. Okay? It doesn't affect your game specifically. When users see other games they want to try and download, it's really important to be open for that because it's kind of counterintuitive, but we see from the numbers that that's the reality. And kind of just jumping maybe to game companies who were doing cool stuff in gaming today, whether that's gaming creative or monetization, succeeding in growing big, successful games. Is the, the game company you most admire in the space today? Hmm. Tough question. Yeah, tough question. So there's a lot of really great ones. I really admire a company which makes games for kids, hmm. for children named Tokaboka. Okay. If you really want to ask me who I admire, <laughs> so I can say Supercell and all of these guys right. which are great and amazing. Mm -hmm. Really, it's like mind-blowing what they're doing. But the real company that I really admire is Tokaboka. A lot of people don't know it. You need to have kids to know okay. it. But they kind of really nailed it in terms of creating an experience for toddlers. It's kind of related to what I talked before, that they understood where does the mobile, the iPad, takes part yeah. as a toy in the life. And they kind of use all of the most sophisticated game mechanics. You see the gamification and creating of worlds and characters aimed towards creating really cool experiences for, for toddlers. And if you ask me... I'm seeing the enthusiasm on it. Yeah, every time someone asks me about a game studio that I admire, I would say Tokoboka first. Interesting. Talking maybe then about the game experience as it's going to evolve. I think it was EA's VP of Investor Relations said the model for experiencing games is going to shift from an ownership to an access model, much like kind mm -hmm. of TV with, with Netflix and music with, with streaming services like Spotify. Um, do you think the same thing is going to happen to games? And if so, how fast can we expect that to happen? Is it happening already? Specifically in games, I don't know where it's going to go. It's really interesting to see if someone will be able to crack this and make it sustainable. Subscription-based worked really well in like the big uh, MMORPGs in desktop, where you would pay to get access to, to a world. And it's really interesting if, if you can replicate that to games in mobile and more casual games. It don't require you to log in to some world. Right, um, the barrier to entry is kind of lower, but therefore the barrier to yeah. exit also is too. So, so it's be, it will be very interesting if they'll be able to crack it. In general, but when, when you look at it, and it's, a, it's actually a subject I'm really passionate about, is the fact that we're living in a generation that the ownership model is kind of dead already. We don't have CDs anymore. Even books can buy them electronically. And it's because, for me, even personally, I really don't care about possession of items so much anymore. It doesn't matter to me to have like the big library of stuff. Right. It's much more valuable for me to have a login to Spotify. Right. Okay. And I think all of the, the most interesting companies who are able to provide a subscription that gives you good value in return are amazing and will probably become the major players of tomorrow. Of course, you see that in Netflix and Spotify and all of these guys, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. In games, and especially in mobile games, it will be very interesting to see if, if game studios will be able to replicate that success. Mm -hmm. in, instead of buying a game before you download, which is dead. Mm -hmm. That's to, already happened. Yeah, to moving into like a hybrid in-apps and ads model. Which works, I mean, pretty well today. Yes, as, and kind of allows them to scale versus you going into subscription. 
By the way, you see it in, in apps, photo editing apps. There's a lot of apps that kind of now try to transition into a subscription model, mainly to increase their ability to kind of break that $2 barrier and make an app that can make $12 and allow them to acquire more users. Because the barrier to getting users becoming harder and harder and more expensive, you also need to kind of increase the amount of money you can You're make. And, and games are sort of typically many of the highest grossing apps out right. there. What do you think is going to happen to Game Creative in the next two to five years? So I think, like we talked, I think we'll get richer and richer experiences as the mobile phones get even more powerful and the technologies become more available for creative guys like us to take it and create experiences with it. I think creative will probably be like the main driver to create the differentiator mm. between all of the great game studios that are out there and also tying it in with performance. It will be a very, very close match between creative and how it performs. Mm -hmm. And I think it will evolve more and more. We're kind of beginning together. And Especially yeah. probably in our data that you have. Yeah, for example. And yeah, I think this is where it will go probably. Very nice perspective. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Thanks, Dan, for being on the show. Sure. Thanks, all of you, for listening to this episode of Level Up. And thanks to Samsung Next for the use of their recording room. See you next episode. Free to play or pay to play? Free to play. Landscape <laughs> or portrait? Landscape. 3D or 2D? 2D. AR, VR? AR. Shower or bath? Shower. <laughs> <laughs> Good answers. Mm -hmm.